Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, where we discuss hunting, wildlife, and habitat management, and the dynamics of land ownership. I'm Joe Baia. I'm here with Clint Flowers. Clint, I don't know about you, man. I, um, when it comes to deer sense, and we've talked about this a lot with, with all different aspects of hunting, but confidence is a really important part of all hunting and fishing. If you don't feel good about where you're sitting, where you're fishing, what strategy you're using, you won't hunt as hard, you won't hunt as long. And one of the places that I've always struggled to gain confidence is with sense. You know, I, I just feel like I'm kind of just putting it out there and praying and I don't really have a, a strategy in mind. And, but I know it works. I've seen it. I have seen it work personally, um, but I've been a failure more than I've been a success. And I want to change that. And I imagine a lot of people feel the same way. Have you ever had any success when it comes to using estrus scent or any type of, of deer urine? Yeah. Usually what I see is, uh, you know, I put it out on that scrape, sc- excuse me, scrape. And then when I come back, the, uh, it's been worked while I was gone. It never gets worked while I'm there. Right. And you know, my question is always, how much do I use? Where do I put it? When should I put it? So it's always just kind of a guessing game for me. And I'm like, I'm kind of the same way. I've, I've definitely seen where the deer's interacted with it. I have had a deer, you know, I've used a scent drag before and had a had a buck follow it directly to my stand, which was really cool to see and got me fired up. But I have those same questions is how to use it uh, during which phases of the rut. And so today we're bringing the expert in to give us all the answers on that. We got Zach New on the show with Native Deer Sense. And Zach, I want you to tell us a little bit about Native Sense and what made you decide to start this company. I don't know if I'd go as far as calling it an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Native Sense was created after several years of working for another company that sold Deer Sense. And uh, Alabama was talking about pushing that ban on deer urine. So when when I found that out, I I got the news on that, I immediately started making phone calls in, in Montgomery. And nobody could give me clarification on any of it. And all of these farms for the, the vast majority, already followed the CWD regulation programs, uh, the disease-free programs. And I wanted to try and, and make sure that that was going to be fine. And nobody could give you an answer. They didn't know it was still, you know, in talks. And then I got a hold to the, uh, I want to say it was the deputy commissioner and talked to him personally. I cannot remember his name, but he told me that an Alabama deer farm would be a hundred percent legal because we've never had the disease in Alabama. So that's when I reached out to my now partner, Brett Esterbrook. And, uh, he has a farm in Deer Park, Alabama. And, that's uh, beautiful he, deer. He, he has some fine deer and, uh, it took him a lot of, a lot of knowing how to do it to get to that point. He, uh, he has some, he, he was actually one of the first, if not the first, artificial insemination farm in Alabama. They didn't even have a vet that could come in and help you or teach you or or administer it at all. He, I, I think I want to say he went to Texas and learned from a, somewhere out in Texas how to do it. I got with him and started bouncing it off of him. And when we finally got the, the, the detailed regulation from the state, it did say that Alabama-based farms would be 100% legal. So, which we have a, you know, we're vet inspected every single year. And uh, that was another thing with the ATA that everyone talks about. They use it as a guideline, ATA stamp. 
they only require every three years for a vet and, uh, veterinarian inspection. In the state of Alabama's program, our vet comes every single year. So it makes us feel better about that on that part of the issue that they were trying to uh, they were trying to push with the ban. But we knew we could make it better through the artificial insemination process. We knew that we could get a better quality urine that the quality is there in every bottle and it's the same quality in every bottle compared to a lot of farms. I'll, I'll never name drop, but uh, a lot of farms that I've spoken with over the years, I've, I've talked with dozens of farms. Anybody that gets on Facebook and goes to one of these hunting pages and says, what's the best doe estrus? There's going to be 5,000 people throw their favorite whether it's worked every time, whether they've only killed one deer over it, whether they've only had camera pictures of them after they were gone, it all will work at certain points of the year. I'm not going to say ours is the absolute best. I will say ours is the absolute freshest. And that's what makes it a top shelf product. But we only collect during that actual like breed ready cycle of that entire estrus cycle. So you're only collecting scent. Uh, when you say it's the freshest, you mean you're only collecting scent during the period when, when that doe is ready to breed. You're not, not, not a little before, not a little after, right. only when she's ready to breed. And when you're, you obviously we're talking about estrus scent at, at this point. Right, right. Estrus scent. Full-fledged estrus. It's some hot stuff. It's uh, very potent. So that estrus cycle is only around 72, 76 hours long. And what we do, because we've been doing in the IA program for so long, is just because that doe is in estrus or coming into estrus does not mean that she is ready to breed. So that's when you start getting your bucks in. They start, you know, they start trying to lock that doe down. They start following her around, bumping her around, trying to trying to stay with her on her tail until that particular moment is there. And she's going to stand for that buck to breed her. So when you say you guys are the freshest, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, We're talking days old. And how do you ensure that? So when you say days old, I mean, do you have does that at your facility that are coming in kind of staggered, so to speak? Yes. So we stagger our does to ensure we have does in estrus every six to eight, maybe nine days. It's according to that particular doe, we have some does that might take 16 days after we try after we bring them in. When we give them their shots and give them their cedars, it could take 16 to 17 days for that doe to come in. So we have to plan in order to align X amount of does to come through every five, six, seven days, and then those does will be in there so we can collect that estrus for the last. 30 to 40 hours of that cycle when that doe was actually ready to breed. Gotcha. So you guys are bottling deer urine in Alabama. You were talking about the ban, you know, uh, everybody's heard about the, this by this point. We're trying trying to prevent CWD. We're trying to minimize the amount of deer that are traveling across state lines. Are you able to ship your, your scents outside of the state of Alabama or do you focus just in Alabama? We ship all over. There's only, I think, 17 states that have a restriction on urine. Gotcha. So all the rest of them are free to go. They're good to go. Now, 
we're talking a lot about, um, you know, freshness and estrus scent, but there's a lot more to the season than just, you know, peak breeding. And uh, so I want to talk, kind of break down the different phases of the rut and let's talk about what scents we can use during those periods and, and how to use them. So first off, before the rut even gets kicked off, we're talking early season. We're going to call this early season. And what I mean by that is deer are still in their summertime, so to speak, patterns. They're moving from bedding to feeding and they're not really, bucks are still in groups. Uh, they're not really in the breeding phase, the rut, any phase of the rut just yet. Is there a scent you like to use during this period or do you kind of not worry about it during that period? There is a scent. And a lot of people down here have, have either never used it, never heard about it, or they just heard old school, maybe, I guess you could say. I use non-estrus, just a regular, everyday non-estrus dough urine. And I put that on my boots. When I walk in, I spray my muck boots down all up the side, all over the bottoms. I'll stop and spray a few limbs here and there. If there's some privet or something, I'll, t- I'll stop and spray around that privet. And that gives the ideas, what we spoke earlier about setting a scene. So you're now setting a scene that there was a, a doe traveled down this trail, stopped, milled around on this privet, and then carried along her way like a normal everyday doe would do, going back to bed or going out to feed from bed. And I've had more deer walk my footsteps with non-estrus on than I've ever had walk with estrus. Because most of the time when you're in, you're using estrus, you're catching those few bucks that come across and hit it. And they're going to trail that estrus down. They're not The does aren't going to hit it and trail it down. It's only going to be the bucks. You'll have does, you'll have bucks, you'll have backs for groups of bucks. They'll hit your trail and like, oh, well, everybody's going this way to bed today. Because... Those deer have highways through those woods, and they might take this trail today, they might take this trail tomorrow, and then they might take the other trail the next day. So they're going to go wherever they smell the deer going because that deer may know something they don't know. Right. And it's kind of safety in numbers, I would imagine, too. They just feel more comfortable in an area that they feel like other deer have been recently. Right. Let's move on into, uh, let's move on into pre-rut now. So I I wanted, I do want to define phases that I'm using today because I think a lot of people you you know use these terms interchangeably and mm-hmm. what I what I may think of as pre-rut others may think of as rut but when I say pre-rut what I'm talking about bucks are now on their feet more often than they were during uh, the early season they are actively out scent checking for estrus does they're they're they are waiting for a and looking for a doe who is coming into heat during this phase, what do you think is the best deer scent? I like to take some non-estrus personally. I like to take a little bit of non-estrus and then add just a small amount of estrus just to give it a diluted estrus smell. And I, I've seen it work. I, I, I say it worked. I've, I've had deer. I've killed deer on it. I've had deer come in, check the field, come out, immediately stretch their old neck out and start curling at the end of the field you know, have 10, 15 does up ahead of him and he's going to start curling. If he catches that whiff of a slight estrus, he, he will curl for it to see if which doe he's checking. And if none of them, you know, buck walks in the field, free rut and just fixing to get turned on. Those does, if that doe's coming in estrus and that buck steps in, you know the first doe that's, that's coming into heat because she's fixing to hightail it. Some are going to stand there and go back to feeding. 
So on the mixture of estrus versus non-estrus, what percentage of estrus are you putting in? And, and then once you've got it there, how are you applying it in the field? So what I would do is, is I'll just take my top off and I'll just, of my non-estrus, and I'll just put three or four sprays of estrus into it and then just shake it up. And then I'll put it on my boots, but I'll also, well, I'll put it on my boots to walk across that field. Everyone says, oh, rubber boots, they don't leave a scent. Well, they do leave a scent. You can smell rubber boots. You know, people that say that rubber boots don't have a smell to them, they're scent free. I guess they've never walked in a shoe store. But I'll take and walk across that field with it on my boots, and then I'll start spraying overhanging limbs around the edge of that food plot where I know it's going to carry the wind or breeze can carry it all the way across the food plot. So when you're using scents, you want to sit upwind and you want to hunt downwind because those deer, when they smell it, that's where they're coming from. They're going to try to, they can't smell you from upwind. So they're going to be walking through there. They're going to hit it and they're going to, they're going to know there's something in this direction because I can smell it this way. And they may circle it when they get closer to see if they can see a deer or see a hunter, but you want to hunt that wind that your scent is blowing down. So I try to make it, I try to, I try to put it out to where it can cover my field and uh, give me a good, a, a really great scent signature is what I like to tell people. Instead of just putting a little squirt here on the ground and hoping he catches it, I like to make me a fairly decent line. That way it's got almost like a ribbon effect going across that area. Zach, have you ever noticed uh, you're bringing something to mind as a strategy of my own that I've been trying and and kind of perfecting uh, over the years? And do you find that there's any problem with putting that scent up high as opposed to putting it down low? I mean, a deer is obviously not going to pee on a tree limb, right? Uh, Right. Do you ever have a deer come in and smell that spot that you – sprayed that scent and and have a negative reaction um, no. to the scent you're putting out so they don't really they're not they're not deducing anything from that the other question i've got is mo- the majority of the hunting that is done in the south is done on like you said food plots whether there's a whether they're baiting or whether they're hunting over a food plot majority of the hunting is done in the evenings at least is going to be sitting over a food plot now when you're doing that, one of the things I've noticed is as we get into the rut, I seem to have more success hunting on fields where, you know, a lot of guys want to sit in their ladder stand or their shooting house or whatever type of stand they've got. And they want the wind directly in their face because they feel like they're blowing their scent behind them. I've had a lot more success with a crosswind. So if I'm facing North, I want a wind that's blowing East or a wind that's blowing West or a wind that's blowing Northwest. And I try to understand where the deer typically will bed from, you know, where they're bedding just by learning sometimes through trail camera photos, sometimes through observation is, well, deer seem to enter this field on the east side or they seem to enter this field on the west side. That tells me they're bedding on the west side and they're able to smell what's on that field before they get there. So do you find that when you're using scent, do you try to have that scent blow into a bedding area? Is it something you focus on? Do you feel like you can just put it out there and let the scent do the work? Or do you still have to kind of scout and understand your area to be more effective with it? I don't think I would set it up to where it would blow directly into the bedding area. Because you, you always have that risk of when you get in that particular area to put that scent there. Right. 
you could blow those deer out with your personal scent. Sure. While putting the scent out. Right. If you could, if you could stay back away from that bedding area to where it would still blow crosswind past it on either the north or south side, if it's a east and west facing bedding area, if you could put it out on a north or south side to where it would blow out when they're actually up on their feet and they walk out of that bedding and get out of that bedding to start milling around, mm-hmm. I think that would probably have a better outcome for you. Yeah, because that's you're I, not getting your scent out there for a chance to to blow them out of their bedding. Yeah, I like that. I mean, so so you'd more look at where are the major trails that are entering that food source right. as opposed to, you know, you're not trying to blow it in the bedding area. You're just trying to blow it at the access points. Right. Yeah. I like I that. I would try to, I would try to get it as close as I could to the access point. So that's why I kind of like our gels. You don't have to get in close and spray it on something. You can take scoop some gels up in the lid and toss them 20 foot, you know? Mm-hmm. So and that can, can be the bit, that can be a really big difference, especially you're talking about bow hunting, you know, being what I always call is a wind edge. So if I know a deer's bedding, say on the Western side of a food source, sometimes I can get on the Southwestern side and, uh, you know, in a corner, so to speak, if you envision a square, you can get in that corner and then, you know, a Western wind is going to blow your scent. The deer's going to feel comfortable coming to that food source because it can smell what's on that food right. source, but it can't smell you because you're just to the south of it. And 30 yards can be the difference between being smelled and not being smelled. Absolutely. We, we fight that in a place we hunt all the time with wind, hunting hunting fire breaks and stuff. That you might have a northwest wind, but once it hits that fire break, it's going to take it due south. Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of have to play the fire breaks and you have to play the wind. You know, if you've got a trail crossing here, you want to get on the other side of it. If you've got a north wind, you know. It's going to be a south on the other end. So, you know, another thing we see a lot more activity of during the pre-rut is scraping. That's another area of, there's a lot of information out there about how to hunt scrapes. And I feel, I've personally never had any success hunting scrapes, but I I know plenty of people who have. What do you feel like is the the right scent? You've got to find the big scrape. Okay. They'll take and scrape log roads three miles long. They'll have both sides of that log road scrape, and they'll have the entire perimeter of a property scrape. And something I learned from an older guy talking with him up at some expos that I used to work at in or go to in Huntsville, I was talking to him about scrapes, and he he really turned me on to how to really dig in on those scrapes. And he brought to my attention that those those are what he considered perimeter scrapes. They are pretty much a location checkpoint there's going to be trails right in there whether they're heavily used trails or not there's going to be a trail in there that those deer use and those does if they're feeding over here they're going to walk by the scrape and they're going to check in on that scrape rub their face in it drop some interdigital gland in the in the scrape from their hooves then they're going to walk on through and go bed or go feed whatever well, if this forage and this preferred food source over here is is no longer any good, they don't prefer it anymore, and now they want to go over here on the other side and eat and feed where it's preferred, they'll start marking those scrapes, stepping in on leaving interdigital in there. You know about interdigital, right, between their toes? That's right. So they're going to leave that interdigital on this scrape now, and this one's going to dry up. So... Your east scrape's going to dry up. Your west scrape's going to go hot if that's where they're feeding at. 
Well, that buck makes those rounds to find where those does are, are, are crossing his scrape. And then he's going to refresh in those scrapes until those does find another food source where they're pressured off that side of the property to another side of the property. But if you can find that one big scrape, usually in South Alabama, it's going to be almost guaranteed under a holly bush. That's the scrapes you want to check because those are the scrapes that are closest to his bedding area. And those are the ones he's going to visit daily. So you're talking about, you know, obviously finding that big scrape and we found it now. What do we want to do? What, what's the picture we're trying to paint using a scrape and using scent? What are we trying to say to those deer? How are we trying to communicate to them with scent? Mild use of estrus. If it's, if it's this time of the year, you'll start seeing them actually pick up on that scrape, breaking the limbs, hooking around the scrape, hooking the tree that the scrape's under. Those are going to be your scrapes you want to try to hunt over, but you want to try to, I wouldn't necessarily walk up and put estrus in that scrape, but I might would stand back away from it and mist a little bit and let it carry that direction because it's going to catch on leaves and, and anything else through there, the sides of trees, it's going to leave a scent. It's just going to be very, very minute, and very mild, but he's going to know it's there. Now, are we going, at this point, are we switching over to a pure estrus, or are you still using your, yes, your diluted I estrus? Would, I would use a pure estrus. I would mist it and let it carry across that main scrape. Just a very mild, diluted, just minute amount, of, not wouldn't say diluted, but a minute amount of estrus. And then I would back out of there, and I would try to see if I could maybe set me a camera up somewhere away from it. And I would try to get it elevated just to see when he's coming out to check it and how long it was after I would, tr I like to set them in video so I can see the deer's reactions when he walks up to that scrape. That tells me if he saw, if he smells the estrus or if I missed the target completely and it carried too far. If he walks up in there on that scrape and video and he's stretching his neck out and he's winding and he's looking around, you know, he's caught that smell. So that's when I would start trying to make my game plan with the wind. And then I would want to try, like you mentioned, the edge, that wind edge. I would be trying to, to set myself up on a, on a wind edge. I wouldn't just go in in any wind. I would try to set myself up on a wind edge after baiting him in with some scent for a few days. And then I would try to go back in there and then just mist some into the air and let it carry back through where I know he is baiting at. And when he picks it up, you can get ready. He's going to come walking through there to check it out and see what, see where you're, where you are. Cause he knows that he hasn't found you yet for one, for two, he hasn't, he hasn't seen you yet. He sure hasn't caught you and bred you yet. So I hope he never he does. Right. So <laughs> now you've got in his mind, he already knows through mother nature, he's on a limited time frame to catch you and find you right you so that's the picture you're trying to paint you're trying to paint the right. picture that i'm in heat but uh he knows it you. ain't gonna last forever right i'm over here looking but i can't find you you need to come on out here where i can find you you go back in you're liable to bring him and draw him right on out there to look for you interesting so also with scrapes i see a lot of different products with regards to scent drippers uh now you guys make some gels why, you know, why do you make a gel versus, say, use a scent dripper? 
So the scent dripper, you just pour four or five ounces, six ounces in this rubber balloon and you utilize the heat from the sun to pressurize that balloon to squeeze or drip your scent out over a scrape for multiple days. Well, for one, we don't have preservatives in our urine. We run it through about four or five filters, and then the final filter is a pool skim and sock out of all things. But it's just to get the trash out of the urine that does pass through. That way it doesn't clog the spray tip. So we take the gel or the scent dripper. Is You got to get up into that scrape to hang it. So now you're putting a foreign item in that in that scrape or hanging it up there you know, head level when he rears up on his back legs to knock it around, knock it out, whatever it might be. But it doesn't keep our product fresh as it needs to be compared to the gels. So we use an absorbent polymer that we actually buy it from a, a uh, seed company for that sells cotton seed and all kind of different uh, agricultural seeds. And they, they just disc it into the ground and it absorbs water, so it, it helps with drought. So we use it with our urine, and it take what we do. We just pour urine in it, absorbs it up, and it'll last for four, five, six days. If it's overcast, not raining, kind of cool in the shade under you know a nice holly bush or a holly limb, it could last eight, nine, maybe ten days before it's completely dried out. And what that does is it has everything in it. So this is where we clean the floor is with our gels. And we'll take some of that urine from our collection bucket and pour it out and scrape and pretty much scrub the floors back into the drain. That's picking up your inner digital gland. It's picking up some poop smell. It's picking up your estrus and your, your urine. And then we take and put that in that gel. What have you found in a scrape when you walk up to it? You ever seen deer poop in a scrape? I don't recall ever seeing it, but I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a journal of it. <laughs> Everything that's in that scrape is in that gel. So instead of just hanging a liquid urine above it to drip as the sun heats it up to push it out through pressures, we use the gels and we can stand back and just scoop some up in the lid and toss it into the scrape. We never have to get close to the scrape. We can take and just scoop it up and toss it in. You stay back. You've got a nice little protection barrier, comfort barrier around that scrape. You're not bumping anything when they come to check it out. If you're like me, you're always eating fast food, going to the hunting camp because that's the only place to stop real quick. And you don't want to hang around the house too long to make a meal. So you're always going to have salt or French fry grease. You don't want that on your, you know, around that scrape. So we take the gels and toss them from a distance. And it's been proven very effective. And it's where we go back to everything that's in that scrape naturally is in that gel is what we get off the floors from cleaning the floors from where we've collected that, that urine. And again, it sounds like you're just painting that picture of the right. deer are in this area. You know, they may be using that food source that's close. It, again, it's just that activity in the area, not so much a, this is a hot dough, so to speak. Right. It's, it's there showing deer the in the area. Yep. Right. Activity. So that, that doe's going to stand in that scrape. She's going to rub her face all over the limbs, all over the licking branches. When she's standing in that scrape, she's leaving interdigital. When she's standing there peeing in the scrape, she's rubbing her legs together, all of that stuff. Everybody talks about ammonia smell. 
you take and cut a pair of hocks off a doe that's in estrus and put them in a Ziploc bag for a day or two, open it up, that ammonia is going to knock you down. So with the gels, it's oxygen free as long as it's inside those gels. So as that gel squeezes and dries out, it's pushing fresh scent nonstop until it's completely dry. Interesting. So it's right. time released. We've talked about estrus and we've talked a little bit about kind of a diluted estrus, but what about dominant deer? You know, are you ever painting the picture of a dominant buck in an area? And at what phase are you going to do that? I have in the past uh, with the company that I worked for before, they had a buck urine. We do not offer a buck urine simply because we put our bucks that we breed with through enough stress trying to collect straws and, and breed them and everything. So we don't put them through the added stress of collecting urine from them during the rut because they're already pretty busy. But you can definitely get a buck scent to paint a picture. And some of them that I have done in the past is I like to take a wide berth and I'll take a quarter mile or, or, or sometimes less, maybe more, but I'll, I'll go down the roads. And I'll take walking in, I'll take and walk way around and then cut back through. I walk down a road and then cut back through the woods, cross a road, come back to my stand. And I'll take and put a couple sprays of buck urine out and then put a lot of estrus out. So like every 20, 30 foot, I'm just spraying a limb here, spraying a limb there. Walk another 20, 30 foot, spray a limb, spray a limb. And then that gives the idea and that scene that there is a buck pushing a doe and they have just come through here very recently. I've had upwards of six bucks come through on my trail trying to catch up to that buck that's pushing that doe. Wow. It's, Do you feel I've like that's something know. that, uh, you know, I, I relate everything back to turkey hunting and, uh, you know, you can gobble at a bird, for example. Mm-hmm. But that for me, that's always a last ditch effort. Like I, I really don't, I really don't go into any hunt thinking I'm going to gobble at this bird today. It's more like a, I've done everything else that I know every other strategy I've had. And now I'm, I'm thinking maybe he's hinned up or, you know, he just ain't going to come. And I'm going to try to paint the picture that there's a, another gobbler that has moved in on this other harem of hens or this other lonely hen. Um, and I've had that work for me for sure. But more often than I've had it work, I've had it go the other way and it shut the bird right. up. So do you feel like dominant buck, that, that dominant buck scene is something that is, um, uh, kind of a last ditch effort or is it definitely just a part of your strategy all the most time? of the time i've used that strategy was like the last weekend of season mm-hmm. so i guess you could call it last ditch because it was like hey i've got all this left over i'm just going to put it all out and right. watch the magic unfold you know yeah it's like walking into disneyland the last few weeks of season in february if you're not using fresh estrus you are wasting time right it is is completely different it's hard to explain. You don't spook your does. That's something I wanted to touch on is you can use estrus a week early with some of this box store stuff and you will bust your does. Your does will come in, start stomping, snorting. They will leave there. I have yet in seven years, I have yet had a doe walk in on fresh estrus and stomp, snort. Now they might get stupid and run circles around that food plot but they're going to stop and come right back and check that area out. And then they're going to start feeding again. 
and then it might hit their nose again real hard and they might run around looking like where's she at because i don't want to be in here but then they're going to go back to feeding I've, i have yet to have a doe stand stomp and snort at me for using farm fresh estrus and why is that what makes the difference i don't know other than it's fresh and they they know that it's fresh and maybe it's maybe the freshness of it is what puts them more at ease because they can't see the deer that just urinated estrus in that food plot. They, they know that it's fresh, but they can't see her. So she must already be gone, but they don't know where she's at and they don't know where she went. And they don't know if there's a buck on her right now, or if he's coming in and he's going to try to pick one of them to run. I don't know what the answer to that is other than my assumption is it's because it's fresh. And so when you say it's fresh, I mean, one of the things y'all do a little different is, I mean, you're making sure that that scent is refrigerated right? from the moment you bottle it all the way until, and you're recommending that your retailers keep it refrigerated and you're recommending the consumer keep it refrigerated. Right. Um, it, it could it's just be that it's a different, it uh, and so, I mean, it could be that there are some changes in that urine if it's not being refrigerated or it hasn't been refrigerated the entire time right. from, from bottle to the time you're using it. It could be that that urine doesn't smell right. could be it's bad a, or sour. Or, yeah. I mean, they could potentially be able to pick out the preservatives as they're used. I don't, I don't know. I do know that you can walk in Bass Pro Shops and Field and Stream in June and buy fresh estrus off the shelf. Hmm. in june <laughs> yep so well, we don't even start collecting estrus until i want to say our first batch of estrus this year we collected to supplier guys out in nebraska and in uh, kansas and oklahoma was uh i want to say october 28th is when we bottled and shipped out there we've had a lot of good deer killed out out in nebraska off of it this year and speaking of the the fresh stuff, I mean, how long is it considered fresh? I mean, when does it go bad? If you get it body temperature or above after it's been collected and it's been refrigerated, it's chilled from the moment it comes out. So we collect it into a pretty much an ice bucket. It's, it's, it's insulated and, and loaded down with ice packs to chill it immediately. And then we pull it and then we would take and filter it and put it in a jug and refrigerate that jug and then i put it in a cooler on ice bring it to my house where i have two refrigerators and then i bottle it and put it back in the refrigerator while it's all still cold and then i ship it on ice packs to your door with two-day priority mail so it's roughly three to four days old but cold when you get it fresh and you were saying when it comes up to body temp that's you're gonna kinda, start having that natural breakdown that's and 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 so that's if you do that i mean if you forget or you leave your stuff in your pack or something like that i mean is it going to be good this season or you need to go ahead and get it out i mean how bad i mean you could probably use it it's not going to be any worse than anything you would buy at the store off the shelf that's just sitting in ambient temperature you know for four or five months that was a, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to get into this, is because I just I, I didn't have much faith in an ambient temperature product, you know, yeah. and 
now once you put it out, it doesn't matter because it's going to go ambient temperature and it's going to start breaking down naturally. It's going to be no no biggie. That's what it is. That's what it's made to do. But I just didn't like the idea of it sitting on that shelf for all that time and then me putting it in my truck. And uh, growing up, you see people, you know, you're hunting with, they've got their, they just throw it up on the dash. They've got the defrost going, you know, get in the truck. They empty their pockets out, hit the defrost, and you're out the woods and back home. Well, there's an hour drive with your deer pee on the dash with the defrost on all the way back home. Then you use it again the next weekend. You're like, man, that crap blew my deer out. It scared my deer. Hmm. Well, now I'm now I've, I'm, I'm so deep in this. I'm like, well, now I know why it blew the deer out. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's all in, it's a, like I said before, it's a body fluid. So how you handle the product is what you're going to get for the product. As far as the field application on the fresh stuff. I mean, when you put it out, how much are you putting out? I mean, how much is enough? Uh, Every time that doe squats to urinate in that field or in those woods, she's dumping anywhere from six to seven, eight ounces. So, I mean, I guess it's up to how much you want to, you want to use. Using the atomizers, you don't have to use as much to get a good scent column or scent signature uh, because you can cover a pretty big, you know, pretty big area with the with the atomizers i typically use probably about a quarter bottle a day until the end of season when it's sure enough end of season you're seeing young deer in food plots your mature does have completely gone dark they're 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 nowhere to be found because they're bedded up with those preferred bucks to keep the young bucks from bumping them and pushing them that's when i start really dousing her down i might use a half a bottle every time i go in the woods when that buck's, you know, I say rut, you know, when that buck is tending an estrus doe, he's moving less, sticking close to her. That's when you bump it up to the half a bottle. Oh, yeah. I want him to know exactly where I'm at. I don't want him to come in guessing. Was it, is she here? Did she come through here? Uh, when did she come through? Am I, is he going to stand there for a half an hour? You know how they will. They'll walk up and stand there just still, still look like a tree. You won't be able to even see them. They'll stand there for half an hour just listening. Mm-hmm. I want him to know exactly where I'm at. So I'm going to put out enough to give me a, a scent signature to where he's going to come in on a leash. Well, I'm learning a lot right now. I can, I can think of many times I've had my extra scent sitting in my cup holder. <laughs> for, for most of deer season but uh you know so I'm, I'm guilty i'm guilty but uh we all are yeah but so once that period's ended you know we're talking in alabama lots of areas uh but alabama florida uh deep south hunting you know we're talking late late january early february it's, it really just depends on who you are but almost every state has a post rut phase that you can hunt whitetail. So in that phase, now most of the does have been bred, you know, there's going to be that additional cycle that will come through a little later in the season. Do you switch back to the pre-rut strategy? Do you have I a specific not. post-rut strategy or do you just give up on scents altogether and hunt food? I run it all the way to the end. Uh, you won't catch me in the woods from the opening day to the last day without urine in my pocket somewhere. From non-estrus starting bow season all the way through into December to now I'm going this afternoon and I'm probably going to put out a bottle, a whole bottle. Just I'm just going to walk down the road and put it out and we'll find me a good 
one of these roads up here that's got scrapes on it and i'm gonna load it down and hang a new camera mm-hmm. just to see what's coming through and checking and that's a good way to utilize sense in scouting your property to know where your does are in estrus if they're close to estrus or if the bucks are just looking uh if they're just up now getting cruising in that pre-rut phase if you can you can put this stuff out in front of a camera or put it in a road and set your camera off side of that road you'll catch a lot of your deer coming through cruising that scent before you ever even know that your property is in is in close to a rut well we've talked a lot today about the right scent to use in what phase and we've gotten a little bit into the strategy one of the reasons i've always shot away i'm a big no pressure or low low pressure guy and one of the reasons i think i've shot away from scents in the past is that i don't i'm just weird about it i'm probably overthinking it but i don't like walking through the area i'm trying to hunt you know i don't if i'm if right. i'm going to be looking out over an area i hate to walk out there before a hunt you know i just it just right. i lose my confidence it's not that i necessarily right. know that it's affecting anything i just lose my confidence so you know what do you do with regards to putting scent out i mean do you have any precautions you take um do you do anything different i mean you're talking a lot about getting out in these food plots, you know, do you always want to, do you approach normally? Do you change anything up if you're really trying to paint a picture with scent? I put the product on my feet before I ever walk out there. I will take and spray my boots before I walk across that food plot. And that's the biggest thing. Yep. I've noticed that you can actually mask a lot of your human scent with deer urine. The little cans of gels, I've actually gone as far as taking those, just taking the tops off and cracking a side window and sitting it in that side window and then cracking my front window of a shooting house to let that air draft so i'm not just sitting in there building up body odor to where when i open that window up it's all going to escape at one big major time and now i'm, I'm definitely on a, on a on a on the clock to pull the trigger before that scent gets in that field and swirls right so I can take, I've noticed I can put it in my windowsill and leave my windows open and hunt downwind and not have any deer run out of me or bust me in that field. It'll completely mask that human scent from what I have found. I say completely, it, it at least cuts it enough that it doesn't bother the deer. And you've been talking about sending this scent all over the country. And, and we know guys that hunt in the South, it's, it's kind of a joke, but it, we all know it's a lot different down here. Uh, with regards to how whitetails act uh, as opposed to, say, Midwestern deer. Do you do anything different when you're hunting in the South as opposed to, say, hunting in the Midwest? Uh, you know, I mean, is there anything strategy-wise that if a guy's listening to this and he's from the Midwest or he's from the South that he should know? The Midwest has a lot less deer than we have in Alabama. I think they said we have an estimated, what, 1.6 million deer in Alabama. That's a lot of deer. You look at, take Kansas, for instance, Kansas has an estimated of 630,000 deer population. So in the Midwest states, you've got to be a little more aggressive with your scents. You want to try and get them out there as much as possible because you want, you've got a lot more area to cover out there to catch that deer's nose than you do in Alabama. So you can take, there's so many deer in, in the South, in general, it doesn't take much for a deer to be able to smell it and know where you're at. Out there, he, there might not be a deer for six, seven, eight hundred yards, you know. So, 
you want to be a little more aggressive with it. You want to put it out heavier. You want to put it out higher so the wind can carry it further. I wouldn't put it down low to where it can be buffered by the grass and stuff. There are a lot more aggressive deer in, in general out in the Midwest too because of the, the lower numbers. I don't think we really have an issue with territorial bucks per se in Alabama like you would in Nebraska or Kansas or Oklahoma. Just because there's so many does, they're not, they don't have to really fight for a group of does because there's so many does. And regardless of where you're at, I think you really just need a really great scent signature. You want to bring them in. You want to give that, you want to give that, set that scene of walking in, walking through that, through the woods, just missed it and let it carry. If you're sitting in a big hardwood bottom in Alabama, miss this while you're sitting in that stand, just brace them in the air and let it carry down through those hardwoods. They, if they cross it and they pick it up, they're definitely going to come in looking for you if they're interested. And if you're in an area that has a, you know, you're confident you've got that one to one buck to doe ratio versus somebody that, you know, has a lot more does per bucks. Do you advise they, they adjust their output at all or, or is it pretty much the same for you across the board? For me personally, I think I would probably use it the same across the board according to the time of the year. If I know those bucks are running and I know they're cruising, pushing does, I want it out there because I want him to know I'm here. And I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. If you've got, if you know you are in the peak rut right now, you won't even know you're there because of that, 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 that buck knows he has a three-day window. So if you set it in his mind, I'm over here and I'm hot and I'm ready right now, he knows he has roughly three days to get you and make him make you his, or he, he can go feeding and let some other buck worry about it. So it's it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of hard. It determines, I think, on the property. If you have a high-pressure property, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to find a deer to kill regardless hunting low pro- low pressure properties that's where you always see your better results you know so and if you got low pressure and you're and you're trying to maintain it i mean do you slip in there you know so much time before and put these out if you're really starting to get this going or you're trying to you know coming in a certain point in the week and trying to hunt the rut over the weekend over a few days or are you right are you, do you would, put this out right before the hunt I will take and put it out in the mornings. I'll always, I always like to go in and walk in the mornings. I like to do my morning scouts every morning to see what's going on and what has happened the night before. Uh, most of our rut down here happens at night, unfortunately, the majority of it. Every time you walk in the woods during a rut, you see where they've been running up and down the roads, but you know they didn't do it while you were there. And then when you come out from your walk, it's still the same sign, so you know they didn't do it while you were in there hunting. So they had to have done it before you ever got there. So I like to get my, I like to get my, my scouting in, in the mornings. And then when I start seeing sign where there's deer been, where I've seen deer running up down roads or crossing roads or fresh hooking and scrapes, I will take, and I will go ahead and bait that place up, bait that area up with scent. And then I'll back on out of it. And then I will come back that afternoon and bait it up again as if I'm a doe that has just come through there that morning because he's probably going to check it midday. He'll be back through there some part of that day and he's going to know you came through there. And when I go back in, I'll freshen that thing back up again. And then I'll sit it. I'll sit that area that afternoon 
a lot of times you'll see them. Sometimes they're with a doe already. They won't come in. They just keep pushing that doe through. But eventually you stay in that area using that estrus and they will they will come through there and they will stop and, and try to find you from what I have found. So Zach, here's a, here's a practical question. You mentioned trying to keep this, this uh, urine refrigerated mm-hmm. and trying to keep it cold. Well, what do you do when you're out in the field? Uh, what's the, what's the best thing to do with that? Um, you know, I guess if you put it in your pocket, it's going to take on your own body heat. So what do you recommend folks do or what do you do? I'll either take and leave it at the bottom of my tree or sit it in the windowsill of the shooting house to where it can keep cool air on it. We do mail, when we ship, if you order online, we ship complimentary ice packs to keep it cool during shipping. Take that ice pack with you, throw it in the freezer, freeze it, put it in a Ziploc bag, put it in a bag or put it in an external jacket pocket. When you get in the woods or you finally get seated down to hunt, take it out and sit it to the side. Just don't leave it in your pocket to draw that body heat. Well, Zach, I have learned enough here today that build my confidence to get back in the, the scent game. I mean, the, the big things I'm hearing you say is the, the bottle timing is really important when, when it comes to the estrus cycle. A mature deer, it can pick up on the pheromones that are in uh, estrus urine, and they'll know if that deer is hot or if that deer is not. And what, what I'm hearing you say is you guys really focus on only bottling estrus urine when that deer in that 72, 76 hour window when it's most important. And the other thing I really learned from what you're saying is the importance of keeping that scent cold. It, I've never thought about it before, but I've had that same experience where I felt like uh, scent had done me more harm than good, or I, at least, you know, I'd put out scent, I'd hear deer blowing and, and, you know, see deer acting funny when they interacted with it. That's a really important part of it too. So, you know, when you send this stuff to retailers, um, you're keeping it cold, they're keeping it cold, and you're recommending that the folks that are buying it are keeping it cold. If, if somebody wants to buy some from you, how can they get in touch with you guys? What's your website? And also, if they want to look up uh, retailers that may be close to them and, and go to those retailers and buy them, what's the best way for them to find that information? So you can find us at www.nativesensellc.com. We have a Facebook page. The web link is on the Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. We just it's hard to keep up with all this stuff and run the business and all. <laughs> that's a that's a, a social media is a job itself. But you can also, if you're local to Mobile, West Mobile, we've got you covered at Gone Country in Sims with Wade Walker. They came back, opened uh, Gone Country back up. It's the original owners of Gone Country. They have it on the show or in their refrigerator stock ready to go. Brad Williamson at Quince has it. They've got it downstairs in the refrigerator, ready to go. They've got the gels. They've got the uh, spray bottles. We have Kirkland's on 17 in Silas, Alabama. that has got a refrigerator full, ready to go. And then we've got Wilborn Outdoors in Coleman, Alabama that is uh, locked and ready to go. So uh, you can get it, pick it up on hand at any of those distributors. Or you can go to our Facebook page or uh, find us at www.nativesensellc.com. Cool. That sounds like if they order on a Monday, they probably have it. Ought to have it maybe by the weekend. We ship everything two-day priority mail on ice packs. 
but we shipped out today as far as uh, Flat Rock, Alabama, wherever Flat Rock is at. I've never found it on a map, I don't guess, but it'll be there tomorrow. So it uh, it kind of varies between one to two days. So it's, it's, it's normally three to four days old and cold when you get it. Well, Zach, I certainly appreciate you being with us today and sharing some of your strategies for uh, you know choosing the best scent in all phases of the rut. I learned a lot. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. See y'all later. Well, Clint, I, I meant what I said, man. I really uh, I really feel like uh, I'm a little bit more confident. It makes me want to go try it now. I've kind of gotten away from it over the past few years. And like I say, it's just a confidence thing. What about you? What What do you feel like you learned from what Zach was saying? I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I feel like I, I know how to deploy it better. And it sounds like, A, I've not been using enough. And I've been using some product that was probably expired or was probably, you know, running more deer off than it was attracting deer. So I'm going to try to take, you know, get a fresher product and take better care of it once I get it now. Yeah. I'd never really even thought about the whole refrigeration aspect that it could go bad and it, it kind of adds a whole nother layer. But now I feel like it would make me more confident if I put it out right and it's been taken care of. It make me more confident, make me hunt harder. I'm feeling like I got a little bit of an edge. And plus, I just like to see deer interact. As, as a reason I love turkey hunting so much is that it's the interaction with the animal. And, and I kind of miss that with deer hunting a lot of the times. You know, I'm always envious of those guys in the Midwest. It seems like every time they pick up a grunt call or, or clash two rattling antlers together, uh, or at least that's what TV makes it look like that the, the deer come running to them. But uh, I don't, I haven't had that much of that experience in the South and I've tried a lot of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to trying it. So 2019 has been a good year for land. We've, uh, we've had some really good, just good volume. A lot of people looking to buy interest rates have been real low. Confidence is high in the economy, but here we are. We got the impeachment uh, talks. Uh, we're going into 2020 an election year. How do you feel about 2020? As far as election years go, I mean, it's probably the best I've felt in a long time. I was reading in Bloomberg, you know, last week that the next year they said the bench, this year the benchmark for borrowing interest rates was about 3% and they're forecasting 2% next year, which you could skew that as good or bad, but I do think it'll spur activity. And, you know, we've got new sawmills opening up across our region, you know, so that'll improve the timber market. Uh, and especially the, the confidence in the future timber market, and it'll encourage investment from both buyers and sellers that are, you know, trying to upgrade or, you know, tracks or, you know, really come into the, the market. And, yeah, I, I think it's just going to be a compounding effect from, from this year and just keep going strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we see that. And, and from what I'm seeing down here, uh, there's a lot more interest in hemp. I think hemp is going to be a big thing for years to come, there's definitely a lot of, of speculation going on with it, uh, which is bringing new buyers into the market that have never been in the land market before. And this new trade deal with China, how was that? You know, you, you mentioned you were up in Arkansas when the news came out about that. Did you talk to some farmers up there? How, do, how did they feel about it? It had just come out um, while we were actually in the duck blind uh, was when the announcement came out. And, you know, their immediate reaction was just having more confidence in the market you know, what, what their prices were going to do. Basically just, you know, when they've got that export market alive and well, it just creates more competition for their products, which results in a higher, higher price. And, you know, so that's what they were, were excited to hear and, and excited about the, the outcome. And, you know, this is just phase one. So I hope it continues to settle out on a, on a increasingly positive note. Well, buddy, that's all we can do is stay positive and stay optimistic. And, uh, 
I hope you have a good week off, man. You know, much needed rest and relaxation. I hope you guys stay safe if you're traveling out there and all you guys listening. Uh, remember to wear your safety harness if you're going deer hunting and just uh, keep in mind of, of your firearm safety. You know, it's a, it's a great time of year. I'd hate to see any of it get ruined with any kind of an accident. So y'all just be safe out there. We appreciate you listening. If you'd like us to email you the show, uh, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. We'll send it to you each week and we appreciate you subscribing uh please send us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts uh we certainly appreciate it if you got a show idea or a question you'd like us to ask just send it to us at pros at landhunting.com we'll see you guys in the new year this week's show has been brought to you by joe baia and clint flowers members of the top producing team at national land realty the fastest growing and most innovative land brokerage in the nation bottom line we know land and now is a great time to buy or sell Want to know why? Shoot us an email at pros at landhunting.com or call us at 855-NLR-LAND.